Welcome to the CACE Research Podcasts, a series of conversations about projects taking place at the Centre for the Study of African Economies at the University of Oxford. I'm Ashley Popel, an affiliate member of the CSEE and an economist in the World Bank. Today, we will be discussing one of our new projects, AI and services-led growth, evidence from Indian job adverts. Rapid advances in machine learning have spurred an intense debate about the labor market consequences of AI. Online job adverts show that the demand for AI-related skills has grown almost exponentially and concurrently in several countries around the world since 2015. Yet detailed empirical evidence on the extent of AI deployment and its distributional impacts remains scarce, particularly beyond a handful of advanced economies. For low and middle income countries, the use cases and impacts of AI need not be the same as for advanced economies. So this project examines the demand for AI skills in India's service sector using a new data set of online job adverts from its largest jobs website. Joining us today to discuss this project, we have Alex Kopsek, an economist at the IMF, Max Martinek, DFL student in the Department of Economics at the University of Oxford, and Catherine Stapleton, an economist at the World Bank. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. So the origin of this paper started back in December 2019, when Alex, Catherine, and myself traveled to India with a big question on our mind. To what extent is India adopting emergent technologies like artificial intelligence? And how are these technologies affecting the services sector? India was of particular interest to us because in the recent past, the country has showcased the potential for a services-led growth model. We had plenty of just fascinating discussions during our two weeks there. Catherine, could I please invite you in to share something that really struck you during our trip? Yes. So one thing that really struck me was when visiting a firm in Bangalore called Telly Radsal that did medical outsourcing for organizations like the National Health Service in the UK. And what was really interesting is that previously they had a group of doctors that would look at CT scans and conduct diagnosis. But now, more recently, they had hired a team of data scientists and machine learning engineers who are conducting image recognition. And how this would work was essentially they would run a screening process as the first stage, which would then be handed over to the doctors, which would essentially lower their workload, but also increase their efficiency at the number of scans they could deal with. And so what was really interesting is this was a combination of offshoring, but also the use of AI. And they had both these, these groups of data scientists and machine learning engineers working to make the job of these medical experts easier and more efficient. And the combined impact of this was to increase the productivity and profitability of this firm and actually allow it to increase its, its offshoring. Um, so that was one really interesting example that uh, stuck, stuck in my mind for a long time afterwards. Thanks, Catherine. So inspired by some of these examples that we were seeing, we were beginning to wonder what would be the future labor market impacts of these types of technologies? So we went off to meet the largest job postings platform in India. And then this is where the story starts. Let me pass on to Alex to tell us how the paper unfolded thereafter. Sure, yeah. So even before we went, we'd already started looking in a sort of exploratory fashion at some of the firm and labor force surveys. But the real issue there is it's very hard to measure AI adoption because all you have is an industry-wise measure often developed in an advanced economy that you then need to plug in and apply to the Indian firm or the Indian district. So it's pretty hard to see at a granular level if there was any AI adoption. 
once our data partner came on board, we could use their job postings to actually see at the firm level who was trying to hire people with particular AI skills. So we could look into the text of the job descriptions that were being posted and see if certain phrases and terms which were technical and specific to AI were being mentioned. And once we, once we did that, we sort of found a pretty striking result, which was this huge takeoff in AI hiring, just like in the UK and the US during the 2010s. So particularly in IT and finance and call centers, but also more broadly. So that, that really got us thinking, you know, it was, it was very interesting to find that these new technologies were spreading very quickly to the most productive and innovative firms all around the world. And the patterns that we were finding in India looked very similar to those in the UK and the US. So with those kind of sort of initial descriptive results, that raised the obvious question, you know, what's the impact of that AI adoption? So we started thinking about how hiring and also about how the wage offers associated with those uh, job posts would be changing after those firms started to hire people with AI skills. Now, obviously, firms hiring AI engineers versus other firms are likely to be a bit different in other ways. They might be more productive. They might have better managers. So we had to come up with ways to account for those effects. So in the paper, we, we detail the various econometrics that we use to try and get at those effects. Essentially, our, our main method is using the fact that the occupational composition of some firms prior to the key machine learning technological breakthroughs made them more or less exposed to some technologies. But then we also have uh, various other controls and matching techniques and so on. Great. Thanks, Alex. And just to clarify, when we mean demand for AI skills, what we're really looking at is the demand for machine learning skills, which is kind of redefined by a set of um, verbs. And we know that hiring through job postings is actually quite a good proxy for ultimate employment of these types of skill sets, um, which is something we we motivate as well in the paper. Yeah, I'll just I'd add on that, you know, that's that's a very good point in that some firms might look to outsource some of those functions. But what we've seen in survey evidence and anecdotally is that even if you are going to contract a firm to perform your machine learning functions, you still end up wanting to hire people with those skills in-house as well so that they can construct the contract. They can work out what sort of jobs are amenable to that kind of technique. Um, so even in the situation where you might be doing some of those functions with labor located outside of your firm, you would still have an element of hiring internal to your firm. That's what we can trace. So now to the juicy bits. Max, what are some of your main takeaways from, from our paper? Thanks, Ashley. Um, so what I think is really striking results that we find is that the establishments that adopt AI so that higher workers that are going to be employed in machine learning tasks, these establishments actually grow less than comparable establishments. This is to say um, that the number of jobs that they post a couple of years further down the line is lower than comparable firms. And the highest effects that we find are sort of higher skill occupations. So it's really professionals and managers and we're very good in the data, so we can dig in quite deep. And we can see it's corporate managers and a certain kind of professional occupations that really take a hit once AI is deployed in these establishments. Um, looking at uh, wages and at the, and the wages that are offered to these prospective employees, we also find a negative effect there, um, which is to say that AI hiring leads establishments to reduce the wages that they offer to hires. We can also 
ask how these two things go together by essentially asking how much of the wage effect is really explained by job offers being increasingly at the lower end of the distribution. And we find that this largely explains our wage results, but at the very top for the top 1% of salaries. Um, we also see that within these occupations, AI deployment at the establishment level reduces wages. I think what's maybe really interesting about these results is also how this compares to the literature on technological change over the past 20 years, and particularly computers. Because what we're finding here is this negative impact on high-skilled workers, but to some degree, some positive impacts on lower-skilled workers, and particularly this negative impact on um, non-routine, whereas typically the literature on robots and computers had always found that technological progress was routine biased in that it was automating away routine jobs. But we're finding the opposite, suggesting this could lead to even a reversal of trends of kind of increasing inequality and job polarization over the past few decades, which is really striking and also kind of consistent with what's being found in, in the US. That That's really been a, a result that stuck with me. And how would you relate some of our findings to the other work that's been done on the impacts of AI in, say, high-income countries? What What is implied by this paper for the future of AI in countries like India? Yeah, I think what's really interesting is how similar the results are in India to countries like the US. Um, so particularly these negative impacts within firms and particularly for high-skilled workers and analytical tasks really um, resonate with what's been found in the US by papers such as that by Dona Samoglu and colleagues and Michael Webb and Grennan and McKaylee. Um, and what's also interesting is that we find that growth in AI has actually been even more rapid in India than high-income countries, suggesting that it might actually matter even more in somewhere like India. But then, of course, the big question for development is this, this negative impact on high-skill workers because the literature papers wondering about the impacts for development have typically feared the impact for lower skilled workers, which is generally seen as a more interesting element for development where there's such a need to kind of absorb labor into, into jobs for, for people with lower and middle skills. So of course, whether this negative impact on high skilled workers really matters for development remains this big open question and of course, in this paper, we find these negative impacts within firms that are using AI. So in the finance industry um, and professional services industries. But then there's obviously also this big increase in demand for AI skills that's been happening in the tech and education sectors. And so that's obviously has potential positive impacts on development. But the extent to which those positive kind of spillovers from these high skilled AI jobs um, matter for the economy more broadly is, is a really key question to get to. So for development, I think in the future, really understanding what this means for the whole distribution um, of workers will be key and understanding the extent to which these different industries um, are affected in different cities and what that means for kind of spillovers to other types of jobs will be a key area for future work. Thanks, Catherine. This project has sparked many interesting conversations for us and some unanswered questions as well. Alex, what has been on your mind lately as we advance through this paper? Oh, so, so many things. So, I mean, to start from the things closest to our paper, obviously the, the nature of our data means that we're focused on impacts within the firm. 
but there are lots of other impacts that these new technologies might have as they diffuse throughout the economy. So you might see more startups being created as a result of having access to new technologies. People might come up with new types of products. Um, consumers might start behaving differently and so on and so on. So as, as we move on to other things, I'm thinking a lot about trying to get a handle on those, you know, all things included, uh, general equilibrium effects. So that's one element. A big part of that is likely to be the, the impact of trade. So Max might talk, talk more about that. Um, potential work on trying to understand the cross-country impacts of, of the technologies. Then I think that one of the key things that's changed since we started this project is, you know, this this started back in, I think we were thinking about this in towards the end of 2019. And obviously in the last you know, year, generative AI has sort of emerged onto the scene, um, which is somewhat different to some of the technologies that that we're looking at. So thinking a bit about what might remain the same from these results in that context for the sort of specific subset of machine learning that is generative and what might be different. Then the, the last thing I'm thinking about is the impact of these technologies on finance. So over the same period that we're looking at, India's method of payment has moved from being predominantly cash-based to almost, you know, in, in some areas, almost entirely contactless through the unified payments interface, which now has 10 billion transactions a month. So I'm looking at the potential interaction between these technologies and new payments mechanisms. I think it's really interesting. Thanks, Alex. Totally agree. Max, so what's next for our project and some of your work in this field? So as always, there's more work needed, more robustness checks, and somewhere edits uh, to our paper to be fully polished at some point. Um, something that we're really looking forward to next year is going to, to India to actually disseminate our findings with partners. So some of the people uh, that the team has been talking to uh, years ago that they maybe were inspired by to, to uh, work on this project. Um, and this is planned for next year, which I think is going to be um, very exciting. Um, another angle that Alex was already touching on is the sort of trade question that immediately touches on this. So the uh, very striking example that Catherine brought up with uh, NHS data uh, being analyzed in India, that's a, an example of, of services trade, right, which is um, the backbone of the services-led growth model that India has been pursuing. And the question that we're currently not asking in this paper is, well, what are the implications for trade? What do we see as going to be different about how much firms in India trade services? And you could see very different things depending on what kind of companies we're looking at. Um, and this is sort of something we're all um, really curious about. Great. Thanks, Max. Um, so there's, I'm sure, plenty of uh, questions that we haven't been able to answer here yet. So if you're interested in more detail, please check out our working paper on the CSE webpage. Thank you, Alex, Max, and Catherine for joining us during this interesting conversation. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you. And thanks to you all for listening to the CSE Research Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next time. To listen to more episodes from the series, go to the CSE website. Until then.